It's the Real Roots Radio podcast, on-demand content highlighting the best information and entertainment from the Real Roots Radio team. Here's Daniel Mullen sitting down with one of today's top music makers on Real Roots Radio. Welcome back to Real Roots Radio. I am tickled to have one of the bright young stars in country music these days joining me on the program. Welcome to the airwaves, Mr. Mo Pitney. How are you doing today, Mo? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me. Oh, I appreciate you joining me, and I appreciate you making us a great new record to spend on Real Roots Radio. Local Honey's been one of the fan favorites from your new album, Ain't Looking Back. Why don't you tell me where the idea for this song came from? Well, I guess if you want to be the cool guy in the room, don't tell people you get your song ideas from your mom. <laughs> but uh, that's that's exactly where this song came from. I was I was heading into a write with uh, Will Nance and Adam Wood. And I had nothing to write about and was tremendously nervous because they rarely have any ideas. I'm just kidding, but uh, anyway, I uh, was walking in the front door planning to make something up with them, and my mom just sent me a text, and that's all she said was local honey, and I tell people since I'm all grown up, moved out with kids of my own, I didn't figure she was sending me a grocery list, I figured she was sending me a song idea, so... So I brought it up to the guys and asked them if they wanted to go down that path. I think sometimes we take ourselves too seriously, and there's a lot of value in having fun uh, with music, and that's what we did. We just kind of took off and made it a partially a joke and something you can tap your foot to, and and uh, there it stands. <laughs> It's a fun song, and you guys made a fun video uh, to go along with the song as well, didn't you? Yeah, you know what? We got a, I got a friend from Missouri. His name's Nathaniel Maddox. He's an incredibly talented videographer, producer, and he's been doing all of our video work. And the label <clears throat> loved the song and wanted to make sure we had a video for it. So I asked Nathaniel if he would do it. Knocked it out of the park. And I knew that I didn't want to take the whole thing too seriously because the song's not all that serious. Um, so we we had fun with the video and. After we figured out who it was that was going to fall in love with Local Honey, which ended up being the the group part of the gag, then we just had fun with it. We couldn't get the drummer to stay on the drums for chasing around Local Honey at the gig, and we ended up having to hire a little boy, long-haired drummer boy, to end up playing the drums. You have to check it out in the video, but it's pretty funny. (laughs) <laughs> the new album's called Ain't Looking Back. Uh, Mo, what makes this album uh, different than your debut album, Behind This Guitar? Well, I knew coming to Nashville that I had a lot of influences, but moving to Nashville, Tennessee, the heart of country music, um, I got around people that helped draw out all of the traditional country music influences out of myself, and I kind of owned that title. When, when they gave me the, the title of just the savior of country music. So I feel like my first record, um, which off the record, I'm not a savior of anybody or anything, <laughs> but uh, I think the first record mostly uh, reflected just the traditional side of what I do and then kind of the spin off of that in today's world. I knew that I had more than that in me. I've always listened to more than that. The second record, I wanted it to be even more outside the lines, more 
killing all the elements of what I love, whether it's bluegrass or, or traditional country music or singer-songwriter or James Taylor. There's a lot of James Taylor influence on this record. And, and there's a couple of rock groups that I've listened to up, you know, growing up. And, uh, you know, the, the lyrics are just really where I'm at in my life right now. And, celebrating all the simple things that I love to be celebrating. And like I said, musically, it's a melting pot of, of all of my uh, different bells and whistles that I've brought with me. You, you mentioned celebrating all the things that are going on in your life right now. I know one of the, probably the biggest, uh, aside from your faith, is your family. And uh, you've got some family news that has developed over the past couple of months. Why don't you uh, tell us about your latest edition? Yeah, we got a six-week-old baby at the Pitney House that we've obviously fallen in love with. She's the sweetest little girl. Her name is Audra, and and uh, I don't know. She just uh, she's a little bit different of a baby than our first. Our first sure liked to keep us up at night and had a whole lot to say a whole lot of the time. And uh, <laughs> this baby's a little more laid back, and. Um, her, her big sister's been a great big sister. I've spent some time with tears on my face watching them interact. It's pretty precious. And I don't know. We're just soaking it in while we're while we're locked up at the house. <laughs> How has the, the, the quarantine and the pandemic helped you when it comes to spending some of this family time and, and enjoying some of these simple moments? Well, I mean, obviously just being able to not feel guilty to be at home and and so this up has been a good thing, you know, and um, so I'm thankful for that. And, you know, I mean, like, like I said, just couch time with the, with the little ones. We jump out on the front porch and fill up the kiddie pool and sit in our rocking chairs and, and kick back and, and chill, which has ultimately been good just for the first weeks with the little one, I will say. I'm a forward to getting out there so I can start paying for more diapers. Um, <laughs> and I would love to bring them on the road, too, whenever I'm able to go. You mentioned how the new album has, is kind of a melting pot of all of your influences. How do you balance your varied influences into one cohesive uh, musical portrait of yourself? Well, there's a spot I think that every artist knows that, um, you know, you have an idea for a song and you, you lean a certain way. Um, but then when it comes to performance, um, it can only get so far out from under what you do before the, you know, singing the song doesn't feel right. And whenever I, you know, lean sonically on any of these songs or tempos or anything, uh, it's all starting from, you know, like before we go in and record a song, uh, I'm just playing it, me and my guitar. And so the band, although we're giving them word pictures to hear where the song, we kind of want it to go, it's still being birthed out of just me sitting on a couch playing the song. So uh, it seems like the common thread that comes with the different sounds on the record, the different vibes and feels and the things we were open-minded about. They find their center on uh, kind of the way I play the acoustic guitar and, and performing with my vocal because I, I don't normally <clears throat> change the way I phrase or, or sing due to the way the track is. So 
I think the common thread through the whole thing is just, first of all, the, my believability in the song or, or how much I believe what I'm saying when I'm singing it, and then just the performance. That's got to be very different from the way, um, at least from what we, we hear about a lot of ways that some Nashville records are made, where the artist is meant to fit the production, not the production fit the artist. Yeah, and I think I I struggled with that a little bit prior to making my first album. I had recorded some demos to let the label sound like what I would sound like with a full band. And I feel like I, I very quickly realized how much I did like the idea of singing karaoke, being a bluegrasser and kind of being in the middle of the making of the music, being the guitar player and the singer my whole life. And so I had to figure out some way to to build things around... Uh, the way that I feel the music, you know, the way that it pushes and pulls. Um, you know, the second album, we did less click tracks. Uh, there are some click track songs that are on click track on the record, but a lot of them are just the way that I fe- felt it. And the band kind of followed me, you know, and so that's a little bit different angle than most people in Nashville would, would do. And, and I think Moose, the producer, he really cared a lot about forming it around the way that I heard the song versus me just adapting to the way that the musicians wanted to play it or felt it in that moment. You mentioned your bluegrass background. You know, there's a, a pretty strong track record of folks coming from bluegrass and finding country success. Folks like, you know, Ricky Skaggs, Marty Stewart, Vince Gill, several of whom are on this Keith album. Whitley. Keith Whitley, Allison Krauss. I mean, the list goes on and on. What yeah. about your bluegrass background uh, what are some things from your background in bluegrass that helped you uh, with your transition to country music in a country career, per se, even though you've always loved country? Yeah. Well, I don't know as much that it has helped me in my country career um, as much as it's just helped me be a musician and a player. I mean, like you said, there's there's lots of people uh, that maybe have come to town and it doesn't necessarily matter how much they know how to play or even sing. I mean, you can just kind of walk into a studio and they can make you sound the way that, you know, they want you to. But I think I make records a little bit differently, actually a whole lot differently due to bluegrass music. Um, because I, I have the benefit of feeling what it feels like to play good music, <laughs> whether I'm sitting up <laughs> next to an RV or, or sitting at a hall and in IBMA, I've, I've tasted what it feels like to make to make music with some unbelievable players that's inspired and from the heart. And and uh, it's kind of spoiled me in the sense that I don't want to make music or records that isn't some version of that, even if it's different instruments or however that looks. So, um, you know, the way that we made this record was a lot more live than um, the way that most do. There wasn't a ton of overdubs. There were some. But mostly we wanted to be excited about one another's playing and getting in there and and taking off and and just seeing what happens almost the way you would in the corner of a bluegrass festival, just with a few more red lights on. (laughs) Do you you think that um, recording so much of it live, having that energy and that spontaneity, uh, what do you think that added to uh, the way that the music turned out? Well, um, I hope it's something that most people can notice, but um, 
One thing that I realized growing up, I didn't know that they were live albums, but like the Bluegrass album, Van albums were probably my favorite albums in the world. And I find out later on that all of them sat in a circle and played and sang at the same time and got tracks. And and then I found myself growing up gravitating to um, like YouTube when I was growing up and watching James Taylor play live versus hearing his records and I couldn't figure out what that was, why that was happening. And looking back, I realized that when a singer is responding to a guitar player and a guitar player is responding to a singer and a drummer is responding to the rhythm guitar all in one moment at the same time, the way that they think and respond uh, turns more into a conversation with, with one another uh, in the same way as if you were just to run run into somebody at the grocery store and start up a conversation. And the, and the conversation happening between musicians uh, just tends to be more natural um, and more from the heart and, like I said, just spontaneous. Um, and so I have found that records that are made that way, more live, more off the cuff, a little less polished, um, have a longer replay value in my mind and become more exciting um, to listen back to over and over again than if you were just to slap a bunch of overdubs and, you know, one night a guy's hopped up on caffeine and then you get another guitar player to come at 10 o'clock in the morning while he's sleepy to play on the track where the guy was hacked, you know, hyped up the night before. It doesn't seem to translate with one another. And, um, and so I hope that it just has that life to it that I have noticed in some of my favorite records or live uh, clips of people playing music. Um, that was the goal, anyway. Mo Pitney's new album's called Ain't Looking Back, filled with great songs, great picking. Uh, where can folks go to learn more about the album and to uh, keep an eye on when you may have some tour dates uh, fly in there uh, looking ahead towards 2021? Yeah, you can get it anywhere you stream music if you stream. Um, but I would obviously prefer it's fun to have an actual album in your hand. We did tours, artwork, and the book with the record, which you can get at my website, mopitney.com. And you can get a signed version of that. You can even buy a vinyl record with a signed copy of that as well, I believe. And, uh, yeah, so if you want to have a hard copy, go to our website. You can get that easily. To go back to the your bluegrass background, it had to be fun. That one of the cuts that we've been wearing out the past few weeks from the new album is your new version of an old JD Crow song, and uh, you recorded, uh, you recruited some of your uh, country and bluegrass heroes to play on the song, including JD Crow himself. Why don't you tell us about the idea to kind of revamp old home place? Yeah, so. That was another spontaneous idea by the producer. We we ended up recording twenty songs uh, the entire recording process, and uh, you can tell we narrowed it down to thirteen. But uh, in the middle of setting up microphones from one song to another, I would just sit back there and play whatever my favorite song was or whatever song popped into my head, just because I enjoyed sitting there picking. And the band would normally take off if I would start playing something, and vice versa. And, so I was sitting there while we were getting up to another song, and I started playing Old Home Place. And I guess Moose just heard it differently than I've ever played it. 
he heard it with the drummer playing it and the drummer playing half time while I was playing full time. And he says, Man, you could get a bluegrass band to play it full time and let the drummer play half time and, and just do some cool stuff with it. You might think I'm crazy, you know, bluegrasses might chase me to Mars, but let's let's try it. And so we did. And then we just moved on. We just played it real quick and then moved on to the next song, didn't think much of it. Well, uh, Marty Stewart apparently came to record in the studio just a little while later, and he ended up hearing it and saying that he wanted to play on it, and it got our wheels turning. Um, so we asked a couple guys, Moose was close friends with Skaggs, asked him, he said, of course, he'd play on it. And then I said, man, we just need to get as many people that were on the original track as possible. So I called Crow, and he said he'd love to do it, and uh, Moose got in touch with Jerry Douglas, and he was in, and and it just turned into a, a all-star jam. Barry Bell's played bass, and luckily we got them all to be there on the same day. We ended up recording uh, together, and all they then putting all of their parts down together, which was really cool. And there should be a music video out soon for that. And uh, yeah, it just was a very it's it's amazing to think the history will prove that I was in the room with all those guys at the same time and and uh we we are on record together. They're my heroes and that's a pretty profound thing for me. It's super cool not to get too too nerdy on you, but you know that uh twenty twenty is the uh forty fifth anniversary of the release of Old Home Place and that whole album by JD Crow in the New South. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. So 45 years later, to hear a new version of that classic song with those guys is super cool. Wow. I'm tremendously thankful to be a part of of the record at all. And, um, and I, I'm so thankful that they graced the project the way that they did. Let's hear that all-star recording right now. Mo, thank you so much for joining me on the air today. It means a lot. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Everyone has time for good music. You got time to breathe. You got time for music. The Daniel Mullins Midday Music Spectacular. Weekdays 10 to noon on Real Roots Radio.